0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Navo and 670 the Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawaski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Yes, that's me, Jay Zawaski talking, not James Navo. James Navo is sick with the flu. He is out of commission for the week. I've placed him on injured reserve. We do get some salary cap relief though, so that's a good thing. But he's a uh, Pissed he can't make it. Pissed he can't be part of the show, but this is going around, man. I took Monday off of work because I felt horrible on Sunday and a little bit on Saturday. Missed a party this weekend because it just wasn't feeling right, so I wanted to nip it in the bud. Feeling much better today, kind of refreshed. So hopefully whatever's going around is missing me, but uh, thinking about James today, we've got a lot to get to on this episode. It will be shorter because I'll be talking to myself, but we wanted to give you an episode I know it's been a while as we've been battling work schedules and illnesses and all these sort of things that have been going around for us the last few weeks. So thank you for being patient. Thanks for always sticking with the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at MadhousePod. You can follow my Lockdown Blackhawks account there too at LO underscore Blackhawks. I also skipped that. Didn't do an episode. Uh, I didn't record one on Sunday night for Monday. So it's the first one I've missed all year. So pretty crazy. Uh, it's a bad one to miss after that loss to Winnipeg on Sunday night. We're going to get into that, obviously, uh, and I think that's probably where we're going to start things, but Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago did a one-on-one Q&A with Stan Bowman sort of uh, regarding the trade deadline, asked the questions that needed to be asked, but I think the honest truth is Stan Bowman doesn't really have the answers just yet. He doesn't know what the Hawks are going to do at the deadline. I'm sure there's a couple plans in mind but nothing totally specific just yet. So we'll get into that as well. Wanna tell you first about our sponsor, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, give Chris a call. 708-478-6090. You've got a baseball team, a softball league, whatever. Any any sports team you need to outfit from one team to 30 teams, Triple Threat Sports can get it done and it will look tremendous and it will be affordable. Also, if you've got a corporation or a company, you want to get a couple polos for your employees or some jackets made, whatever, Triple Threat Sports can help you out there as well. So give me a call, 708-478-6090, email chris at triplethreadsports.com Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. Now on to Sunday night's 5-2 to loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Not good. And there are a lot of excuses that can be made, a lot of them valid. I think for the second consecutive game, The referees did no favors to the Blackhawks. There were some, the Jonathan Taves call at the end of the game was absurd. And one thing that rubbed me wrong about this, and I wonder if anybody noticed, Eddie O and Pat Foley, who are very quick, especially Foley, to isolate on a player they don't like. You've heard Foley do it a lot with Alex Nylander this year, right? Anytime Nylander makes a mistake, Pat Foley has to call it out every time, every time. And sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes I feel like it's picking on Nylander a little bit. But neither guy says anything about the officials in Sunday's game. The, the, the two of the Taves penalties in the third, the one where he's going to the net with his stick out, and it just happens to hit the guy's skate, and the guy and, and the Jets player falls down. He's going to the net. He's attacking. He's not trying to gain an advantage at all. He's not trying to trip anybody. The defender was going the other way. Then the phantom interference on Blake Wheeler. Taves is trying to win position and get to the puck, and the ref claims that he elbowed him or whatever. No, did not happen. Total, on the night of the Oscars, it was very appropriate to see Blake Wheeler uh, react the way he did. All those things acknowledged, though you've got a 2-0 lead, and what is the biggest game of the year up to that point? There's no doubt about it. That was the biggest game of the year. You could have made up some ground on the Jets, who at that point had 61 points, the Blackhawks had 58. The Hawks win that game, and you're spotted to a 2-0 lead, and you're one point behind them in the standings, and you're one point out of the playoffs. Instead, now the Hawks are four points out of a playoff spot, five points behind the Winnipeg Jets. And, yeah, they've got two games in hand on Winnipeg, and they get a chance for revenge next Sunday. But, damn, it's these points that keep slipping away over and over again. The point to Boston, which, yep, it wasn't their fault. Drake Kajula got screwed on that play. Absolutely. But you come out flat against Minnesota, and, yeah, you you lose the game in overtime. You get a point, great. But you needed two points, and you gave Minnesota one, and now you're tied with them in the standings with 58 points. You come out flat against Arizona, and you win that game in a shootout, but you give them a point, and now you're three points behind Arizona. Even when they're winning, points are getting away from them. At some point, look, it's not panic time yet, because the reality is they're four, four points out of a playoff spot. And they can make those points up. There's no doubt about that. But they've got to stop giving up these bad losses. You cannot blow a 2 nothing lead. And I know it was an early 2 nothing lead. But you know what? Shut it down. Just, if you, got not literally, but if you have to ice the puck the rest of the game to get out of there with two points, do it. And I don't think overall the Blackhawks played very poorly on Sunday night. It's just that they, they have these moments where they lose focus. And yeah, maybe that's part of that is talent, right? Maybe they don't have as much talent. But if you if you compare the talent on the Blackhawks and the Jets, they're pretty even. I would almost give the advantage to the Blackhawks, especially with all the uh, defensive players the Jets lost this offseason and everything with Dustin Bufflin. The Hawks should be ahead of the Jets in the standings, in my opinion. But just game after game, night after night, The Hawks find a way to lose that one point, you know, that extra point where they could have taken it from the opponent, not coming out ready, coming out nervous, coming out gun shy, whatever, whatever excuse you want to make for them. The whole reason you have these veteran players like Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, their experience is supposed to help guys get through those big moments and say, look, this is what we do when the pressure's on. This is how we cope with it. We've been through this a million times coming out flat or timid against the Coyotes and the Wild and, to a lesser extent, the Bruins, that's a formula for losing. They've got to – look, they're an offensive team. The defense is better than we suspected, maybe a little bit, right? Maybe a little bit. But this team is built on offense. But, again, you get out to a 2 nothing lead, you can't blow that in the biggest game of the year. You can't blow a 2-0 lead. It's really inexcusable. And, again, penalties, granted, an issue. There's no doubt about it. That was something that cost them. They were shorthanded a lot in the game. But, look, I don't want to be here at the end of the year in April when the playoffs are about to start and seeing the Hawks two, three, four points out of the playoffs when... They absolutely have the talent to be a playoff team. They've absolutely played well enough recently and over the last month or so to be a playoff team. But it's these little missed opportunities over and over and over again that are going to cost them when the season ends. And if they're on the outside looking in, they've got no one to blame but themselves. One game or two games with bad refereeing, they're going to happen. They're going to happen during the course of the year. There's no doubt about that. And you've got to overcome it. And I think for the most part, the players after Sunday's game said the right thing. Like, yeah, you know, those things are going to happen. We've got to be better. We got to, can't let our, the game get away from us if we get a bad call. And that's true. But you saw Sunday night, Jonathan Taves losing his mind, Corey Crawford losing his mind. You saw Duncan Keith in the ear of an official several times, which is fine. You want your leader players doing that, but you've got... The calmest personalities on your team, allegedly, are the most fired up and the most off their game. And if the leadership's doing that, the rest of the team's going to follow. You know, Jonathan Taves smashing his stick on the glass and saying, F you to the referee. It's not helpful. It's not. And we've seen a lot of that from Jonathan Taves this season, where he's been in the ear of a referee, or he's been palms up when he's thrown out of the face-off dot, complaining about, legitimate things and yeah Sunday he was legitimately pissed and he should have been pissed but we talked about like you know later in guys careers like when Steve Iserman was wrapping up his career Mark Messier and guys like that they would always get the benefit of a call because they had earned it why has that not happened with Jonathan Taves that Wheeler interference call that Taves got called for would they ever call Messier for that Would they ever call Iserman for that? And I'm not saying that Taze is in their category of player. He's not. But he's sort of viewed as like the modern era Steve Iserman. The great leader, the winner. You know, the guy who leads by example, not the flashiest player, does things right at both ends of the ice, all those sort of things. Yeah, the points aren't there, but it's a different era. How come Taze doesn't get those calls? I wonder if there's something to that. I wonder if the refs are starting to get irritated with some of his on-ice behavior, they don't need Jonathan Taves going palms up every time he's kicked out of the face-off dot, or smashing his glass, his stick against the glass when he's called for a penalty. That's not, <laughs> you know, that that's, that's not gonna, get, it's not gonna gain you any credibility with the referees, and this has been a thing with him over the last few years. And I know he's frustrated, and I know he wants to make the playoffs, and I know he's, you know, win at all cost guy. But he's got to stop letting that frustration get the better of him. He doesn't have Brent Seabrook to follow him into the you know, penalty box and tell him to pull his head out of his butt anymore. Not until next year anyway. We'll get to that a little bit too. But man, just these missed opportunities, they are killing the Blackhawks. Absolutely killing them. Hey, make sure you go visit our friends in Crest Hill at Mariska, 604 Theodore Street, they are family-owned and operated since 1933. Go try the poor boy, the steaks, the chops, the seafood. When we don't get the poor boy, James likes to get the Yodel Burger. I'm a big fan of some of the steaks they have there. Great craft beer, the twice-baked potato, the onion rings piled as high as your head. Bring your family to Mariska's. It's a, it's, a, it's a place worth an outing. Even if you don't live near Joliet or Crest Hill, take the ride, make the investment, and you will go back. Again and again, it will become a family tradition to go visit our friends at Marishkas on 604 Theater Street in Crest Hill. Visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash or Marishkas.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. All right, in case you missed it last week, the Blackhawks sent out a medical update on Brent Seabrook. Here's the statement from the team. Chicago Blackhawks team physician Dr. Michael Terry today released the following statement regarding defenseman Brent Seabrook, quote, Brent Seabrook underwent successful surgery today on his right hip. In addition, he underwent successful surgery on his left hip last month. With those two successful surgeries, in addition to the right shoulder surgery in December, we anticipate Brent will be ready to return in five to six months, end quote. So I'm wondering, does this indicate that Brent Seabrook is going to play for the Blackhawks next season. I think a lot of us when we saw the way Brent Seabrook had been playing and considering his contract and all those things that this was sort of the first step towards a Marion Hosa type step away where he's just indefinitely placed on long-term injured reserve until his contract is up or he's traded, you know, with a prospect just to get the contract off the books. But They're saying they expect him to return to hockey. Now, of course, this could be a, well, you know, he's healthy. He came back and tried and just couldn't play anymore. You know, he just couldn't play at the level he was used to, so he's going to, you know, he's going to take more time or whatever. They could find a way to sort of milk these things, and I know they have to play the game up to some point. But Blackhawks fans might have to start considering Brent Seabrook as part of the team next year. I don't know if we're able to simply just say that problem's in the past. I don't know if we ever could have said that. But I'm just sort of reminding everybody that there is a real possibility that Brent Seabrook is part of this team next season. And when we look at the ramifications of that, salary cap-wise, you've got to bring back, well, first of all, you've got to sign a goalie, right? Either Robin Leonard, who's probably going to be $7 million Eight million somewhere in there, you've got to find a way to bring Dylan Strome back. Probably, he's a restricted free agent, but he's going to probably be looking for upwards of five million dollars. Dominic Kubalik, who is a restricted free agent, needs a new deal, so you're going to want to try to bring him back. I'm sure, right? I don't know if he'll cost that much, but maybe three somewhere in the threes for Kubalik is reasonable. Eric Gustafson, unrestricted. Are you going to trade him at the deadline or let him walk? There's a lot of questions to answer here for the Blackhawks and not a lot of cap space to do it with. And when you look at Brent Seabrook's situation, that is not going away anytime soon unless they are able to move that deal. And if he's playing for the Blackhawks next year, that is $6,875,000 right back on the salary cap for next season. So, oh, and aside from that, four more years left on that deal, including next year. So that deal is not up until 2023-24 at a $6.875 million cap hit. They almost have to find a way to trade the deal. They have to. And look, I don't want to even bring it back to this miserable place but you sort of have to, it took Tavo Terravinen to move Brian Bickle's deal. What's it going to take to move Brent Seabrook's deal? Do you give up the rights to Dominic Kubalik to get rid of Brent Seabrook? That's, that's a tough pill to swallow if you're the Blackhawks. Now, one of the things the Hawks have been the best at over the last decade or so, especially over the last five to seven years, is finding international talent to come and contribute at the NHL level. So maybe you can find another Dominic Kubelik for a low draft pick and just plug him in. You had Panarin, now you have Kubelik, but even like David Kampf, Anton Vadin, who they signed this summer, there's a lot of guys who have come here from Europe and contributed to the team, not drafted or signed in the traditional way. So they've got the ability to do that. But this Seabrook thing is going to be a problem one way or another. And yeah, I know they can just bury it and keep him on long-term injured reserve until he's done playing, until the contract runs out, but I think they, they probably want to clear themselves of that stress of having that contract hanging over their heads. I don't know. It's just another complication that the Blackhawks are going to have to deal with. And uh, it's not it's not a pleasant place to be. It's really not. They've got some big decisions to come, and uh, I, I just, I just don't see a scenario where Kubalik and Leonard and Strom are back. I don't know how they're gonna do that. Even if you do buy out Olimata for like it's less than a million to buy him out, that helps. But remember, Alex Debrincat's new deal kicks in next year he's going from 778,000 to 6.4 million it's a big salary jump if you're not good at math that's a big difference <laughs> so they've got some things to figure out that's why this trade deadline to me is going to be so interesting so interesting what are they going to do how are they going to navigate this we will cover it all on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast stick with us we'll be right back after a short timeout. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It's Jay Zawoski, all by my lonesome today. This is very difficult to do without James Naveau. I know I do the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast every day by myself, but I got a couple more spot breaks in there. I have a couple more developed segments, so it's a little bit easier to get through. Doing a half hour without my buddy is very hard. I'm very heartbroken. James, I hope you're feeling better. I'm positive he's not listening to this, but if you are, James, I hope you're feeling better and uh, hopefully we can get a podcast done towards the end of this week with a healthy James Neveau because we've got some big games coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday, so hopefully we can get one done on Thursday or Friday for you. If not, we'll be back again on Monday, full power, full strength, ready to go. Speaking of full strength, I went to visit our newest sponsor, Fry the Coop, this week, and I was feeling brave, as I do. And for those of you that don't know about Fry the Coop, the best hot chicken, the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever had. And I've been to all of them in Nashville. Hattie B's, Boltons, Prince's, all the places that are famous for for Nashville hot. Fry the Coop is better than all of them. They've got locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Well Street Market. They're coming soon to Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, chances are there's a Fry the Coop very close to you. So anyway, I was feeling brave. And what I typically do is I get the tenders and I do, cause you know, less carbs. I do two mediums and a hot and the hot is very challenging. Okay. And I am a person that likes hot food. I enjoy it. I seek it out. I'm not like, Oh, I, Oh, it's, I like spicy stuff. I legitimately like spicy stuff. I don't just say that cause I'm, you know, cause I get jalapenos on my nachos. So the hot is their fourth level of heat. They've got country, which is no heat. Mild, medium, hot, crazy, and little insanity. So I got two hots and a medium, and I was sweating through my meal, more than usual. And that's saying something for me. Love the place. Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop, like I did last week. And I'll probably do it again this week, because I love it that much. All right, I mentioned earlier in the show that NBC Sports Chicago's Charlie Romeliotis caught up with Stan Bowman. Uh, about the trade deadline. And I'm not going to read you the entire thing because A, I don't want to steal his work, and B, um he didn't say too much. It just kind of wasn't it doesn't feel like Stan Bowman has I'm not saying not a plan, but I don't think the team has decided what they want to do yet. And that's probably a good thing. If you want to check this out, just go to NBC Sports Chicago and look up uh, Stan Bowman Q&A, and you'll find it. Very easy. I'll tweet it out from the Madhouse Podcast account as well, so it's easy to find there. So, at MadhousePod on Twitter. And basically what Stan Bowman is saying, and, and I spoke to a source last week who sort of said the same thing, they're just sort of waiting it out. They're kind of seeing how things go. The one thing that seems to be a certainty is that they're not going to be buyers. They might stamp pat, they might sell, but they're not going to be buyers. And that probably makes some sense. Now, I will say one thing. There could be a scenario where the Blackhawks have a prospect maybe they're not in love with anymore. And the examples I'm about to use, I'm going to give you a qualifier here before I begin. I have not heard that the Blackhawks are looking to trade this player or acquire this player. I just sort of searched my mind and said, this is a good example of something that could happen. Okay? So let's say, for instance, the Blackhawks, have sort of decided, you know what? Dylan Secura, I don't think he's going to pan out. I don't think he's going to be the 20-goal guy we once thought he might be able to be, right? But maybe there's some teams around the league that are like, hmm, Dylan Secura, he's got some speed. He's got a nice skill set. Maybe that's a guy who could score 20 goals. If the Hawks have sort of decided, like, yeah, you know, we're not we're not so high on him anymore. We want to move him before the league catches on. Maybe they could take a guy like Dylan Secura and trade him to a team that's looking to rebuild, like the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings have Mike Green, who is a 100-year-old defenseman. He's 34. He's got a, uh, he's got a limited no-movement clause, but he makes $5.3 million for the rest of this year. He's an offensive-minded defenseman, or at least he used to be. If they're going to trade Gustafson, maybe they look to bring in a guy like that who can sort of fill the gap and keep them competitive while not giving up a huge prospect to get him, that from the outside might look like a buy, right? Like, oh, they're, they brought in a veteran to try to get in the playoffs. Mm, it's not always that simple. It could just be an easy way to bring in an expiring deal to stay competitive this year. Maybe they feel like Dylan Secura, trading him, is worth the shot of staying competitive this year and maybe just maybe sneaking into a playoff spot. That would be the only sort of buying air quotes scenario I could see I really don't see them giving up a first round pick to bring a guy in who's going to be here long term I don't see that I don't see how it happens especially with the uncertainty they have moving forward with some of the players we mentioned earlier Strome Gustafson not so much him Leonard etc if they wanted to trade Dylan Strome That's something that could potentially happen, but I just don't see anything that major happening at this deadline. I think they're going to sell off some unrestricted free agents like Gustafson and one of the goalies and just sort of see what they can do. But those are just some of the scenarios I'm envisioning as the trade deadline approaches. I'm not sure how you guys feel. Hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com if you want to chime in. Uh, Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com is a great way to get in touch with me as well and to get your voice on that podcast, 708 653 0572 is the voicemail number. I do a Talk Back Tuesday segment every Tuesday. Um, so if you want to get in on that, feel free. Before we wrap things up here on the shortened version of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, because I'm sick of my voice, I'm sure you are as well. Next two games ahead, very important for the Blackhawks. Tuesday, they play in Edmonton. Wednesday, they play in Vancouver. Edmonton has 64 points. Vancouver has 65 points. The Hawks have 58 points. Picking up wins, actually, you know, their next four games, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, four teams that are within seven points of the Blackhawks. If they sweep those four, it's unlikely, but if they sweep those four, they're in way better shape, aren't they? But even a split, they've got to win three of these games. I think they've got to win three and win them outright. You've got to take six points out of these next eight for me to feel good about things. Because while Vancouver and Edmonton are the top two teams in the Pacific, they can easily fall out. This wild card race is going to be very jammed up. And even when you look at the Central... They're starting to get some separation, but Dallas has 67 points. They're not totally out of reach. It's nine points ahead of the Hawks. Probably at this point, slightly out of reach, but not impossible. And look, the stars aren't exactly lighting the world on fire. They're 5-4-1 in their last 10. Vancouver, 5-4-1. Edmonton, 6-3-1. Winnipeg, 4-5-1. Calgary, 4-5-1. These teams are not... No one's really blowing the doors off of anybody. In fact, the Hawks have been one of the better teams over the last 10 with 6-2-2. Two, two. So these next four games, to me, are going to make or break this season. And I know we've been talking about big games leading up to now, and there's been some pinpoint games you know, last month and the month before to say, yeah, you know, there's one of those four-point games. But this is crunch time. Not just because they're in danger of falling behind. Look, I told you, They're only, you know, four points out of a playoff spot, but they've got to leapfrog three teams to get there, four teams to get there. So these points are absolutely critical, and you've got the trade deadline looming over the entire thing. They've got seven games between now and the trade deadline. How many do they need to win to convince Stan Bowman that they are worthy of keeping together for a playoff run? Because at that point... If they're any more than five points out of a playoff spot, I am selling. Because it's really unlikely in the course of a month, they're going to be able to get hot enough to leapfrog all these teams ahead of them. And it sucks to say that. And I want this team to make the playoffs. I would prefer they make the playoffs. As I think most Hawks fans would. The reason we watch sports is to watch our team compete not to watch our team build for the future. They've got this opportunity, but it's up to them. They can't have these mental lapses anymore. And I know it's a grind to have to play playoff intensity for the last two months of the season, but guess what? Your first two months of the season, for the most part, sucked. And that's why you're in a position you're in. And you've been digging out of this spot all year long. So anytime there's a setback, like Sunday in Winnipeg, or last Wednesday against the Bruins, anytime there's a setback, it feels crushing. They've got to keep it up. They've got to stay competitive. They've got to come ready to play these next four for sure. Then they're home against the Rangers, home against Nashville, two winnable games. Then it's Dallas the day before the trade deadline. I wonder if on the 23rd, as that game is going on against the Dallas Stars, we're wondering if that's a game that makes or breaks. Stan Bowman's trade deadline decision. All right, thank you for ju- tuning in to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We want to thank our sponsors at Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe. They've got locations in Burbank and Darien. Lent is coming up. That is the time to be at Chuck's Cafe. We've got a lot of Fat Tuesday things going on, a lot of good, uh, you know, they're like a New orleans Cajuny cajun kind of a place. In fact, next Saturday is their Mardi Gras Fat Saturday party $6 Hurricanes, $12 Mardi Gras cocktail flights, $4 Abita Brews. There's a Mardi Gras sampler dinner special from 5 to 10. So go to chuckscafe.com for information on their fat Saturday Mardi Gras party. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have been sponsored by Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com. Mariska's and Crest Hill family-owned and operated since 1933. Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. And, of course, Triple Threat Sports, our longest-running sponsor for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris, 708-478-6090. James and I will talk to you on the very next episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Health warranting. We're looking for Thursday or Friday. We will let you know. Keep it on the Madhouse Pod Twitter for information on our next available shows. Until then, I will talk to you on Tuesday's Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Have a great rest of your week. Be well, everybody. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, the guru of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama. Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4.